Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the OK Preps Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prance, joined as always by high school sports editor Barry Lewis. Uh, here to talk a little preps as we normally do. We're shifting back to our normal taping day of Monday, Barry. So it's Monday afternoon when we're doing this. Uh, Barry, you were you were at Union on Friday and you saw Union kind of dismantle Jinx 38 to 3. Uh, is Union really that much better than Jinx? They are at the moment. <laughs> the, whether they are in November, that's a different story. I think that could be a quite different story. But Jinx is just so many players out right now or they had so many players out last Friday, they hope to get several of them back and should get several of them back um, for district play in a couple of weeks. The bye week comes at a great time for them. So, but right now there is that big a differential, a difference between the teams. Uh, although give Jinx credit, 38 to three was a little deceptive because Jinx, uh, Jenks led until there's four minutes left, or just under four minutes left in the second quarter. They got an early field goal. And uh, that just is a testament to their winning heritage. They really believe they could win the game, even though they were really outmanned. And uh, even late in the third quarter, it was still only 17 to three. So, and then um, things sort of snowballed, and Jenks just didn't have any offense. Um, They've lost a lot of, more on offense and defense, and they just couldn't get because they just couldn't get anything going offensively uh, in the second half. I mean, Jordan Schelling, the running back, who was like third on the depth chart when the season started, he had a really good game. He was their one thing they had going offensively. He had over 200 total yards. He was very mm-hmm. impressive. So um, that's a very promising development for Jenks. But other than that, just can't couldn't generate any offense against a very good Union defense. And, you know, you look at the fine lines between games that are competitive and games that turn out to be blowouts. And this was sort of similar to Bixby Owasso in the opener, where Owasso dominates most of that game, most of the first half. Uh, then Bixby pulls ahead, but still, it's you feel going into the second half, hey, Wassel's got a chance. Of course, that's before we knew Cole Adams was out for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the first play, Wassel throws a pick six, and then they're without Cole Adams, and everything just snowballs, and Bixby wins by 35. And so Union winds up winning against Jenks by 35, but going into the second half, you thought, well, Jenks is still in this game. And then Jenks on the opening possession of the second half, they're down 14 to three. And they have a very impressive drive to start the second half. Then they wind up in one of the unsung plays of the game that is really overlooked. Jenks is rolling. They got first and goal at the six. And then Devin Robinson, who had an incredible game on defense for Union, he stops Jalen Stanford for a four-yard loss that just totally – Mm-hmm. rails that drive and then Jenks has to settle for a short field goal attempt and then um there's a rhythm was thrown off on the kick it gets blocked and so instead of making it a one score game it just really feels that Union is from that point on is on the way to a blowout so it's just like one play one or two plays could just you know really make a big difference and we saw that again uh on Friday night 
Was that a typical game for uh, Shaker Rysick? <clears throat> and I'll, it's, I'll been tell you typical, it's been his typical game in the first three games. Uh, pretty well, even at Jenks last year. Um, he doesn't come out just throwing the ball all over the place and racking up 400 yards. He's just – he runs an offense, which is a good – in each case, whether it's Jenks last year or Union this year, which has a good running attack. It's a balanced attack. Uh, in the running game, uh, obviously, when you can run, that also opens up some things passing, and he's just very efficient. Yeah, and I, I was impressed, Barry, with how he threw on the run. Yes, oh, he's got all the tools to yeah. just, and just realize he's just early in his sophomore year, and he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, he. I thought efficient was is is my first time to see him live, Barry. That's that's why I'm asking. But um, yeah, I thought he was very efficient, very poised. Again, for a sophomore, I know he was poised last year as a freshman, but uh, he he he. Yeah, he was he's pretty impressive. But to be fair, he, he you know he was really good at getting the ball in the right hands, <clears throat> and Union's skill guys uh, were pretty impressive. Oh yes, very much so. Yeah, uh, I mean, DJ McKinney. I mean, you know what I f feel about him. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, I launched him last week into our all world top 10 overall, and uh, he's just every game he just racks up big yardage. Um, I mean, he is really he's a move in from Booker T, and he is, I think, he was wanting to go to a program which. Uh, he felt could maximize his talents, and it certainly looks like the case at Union. They are maximizing his talents. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's drop down to two-way for a second, Barry. Uh, rejoice, uh, almost literally flipping the script from their loss last year to Beggs, where they got blown out. They blew out Beggs on Friday, which I think we all could figure that'd be, a you know, at least I did. Uh, a, a tight game, and Rejoice blew him off the field. Um, I kind of wondered if you'd put Rejoice number one in your 2A rankings after such an impressive performance, but you left Washington one and moved Rejoice to two. The thought crossed my mind, and again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I vaulted Bixby from three to one. It's something which I think is like that's the first time I've ever um, taken a team from – in. I uh, vaulted Bixby from three to one and put Jinx from one to three. And that was the first time I think that I've ever dropped a team out of number one, our first time in a long time. I dropped a team from number one after winning a game. But I just thought that the Bixby performance that night just demanded it. Mm -hmm. And so the thought crossed my mind about Rejoice Christian, except the fact that Washington, unlike Jinx, which part of the reason I moved. I flipped Bixby and Jenks at that point was because not just because Bixby was so impressive, but just because Jenks struggled against Edmund Santa Fe, barely won. They're all banged up. And Union at number two was also very impressive. And so Washington still looks very solid. So that's why I feel still strongly about Washington that I – I mean, Washington's in good shape right now. I, I still feel very strongly that they're going to be a state title contender. And so I didn't really feel a need to drop them out of number one. Um, I think Washington, right now, Washington to rejoice would be a tremendous game.
Yeah. Three weeks through the season, Barry. Um, any team that's surprising you so far? Muskogee, three and zero. Wow, and um, very impressive considering they won two games last year, didn't win any in a shortened twenty twenty season. So uh, Travis Hill has really got that program going in the right direction. Uh, big win over Midwest City, Carl Albert, uh, the perennial powerhouse which obviously is not, I mean, Carl Albert's still good, but obviously Carl Albert's probably at this point not where it usually is. Because mm -hmm. remember, they lost to Kawita pretty badly earlier in the season. So, but still, very impressive win for Muskogee. Uh, everything seems to be clicking for them. They've got an exciting quarterback and 3-0, um, and it's, it'll be interesting to see where they can take that. Um, they look like a team that could go a ways in, in 6A, too. Who's, who's their quarterback, Barry? Jamarian Ficklin. He's uh, racked up, I think, about 400 total yards against Carl Albert. He, um, I profiled him a couple weeks ago. On, uh, we did that uh, centerpiece on quarterbacks since Jackson Presley moved, <laughs> and he was in my all-world preseason top 10. Uh, I was looking for the next person to fill that void. <laughs> the next time we do the rankings, since Jackson Presley moved to California, and uh, Ficklin was one of the three that I had uh, as candidates, and he certainly has lived up lived up to that billing. Was he there last year? Yes, he he's just a sophomore, just another outstanding sophomore quarterback. And for a Muskogee team last year, you know, being a freshman. Uh, and for a Muskogee team that uh, was only two and eight, he, he stood out and uh, he's just continued to build on that. Wow, yeah, good for them. Uh, Barry, what do you make of Broken Arrow being 0 3? Not totally surprising, a little surprising, but when you schedule like any of the, I'm not going to call them the big four anymore, I got to call them the big five. Mm -hmm. The the big five, throwing Bixby in there with the traditional big four, they all schedule tough opponents. So if you're down at all, if you are inexperienced at all, the, the potential is always there to go 0-3. And, and it's happened before. It happened to Broken Arrow in 2017. A year later, they won a state championship. I think it's happened to all the big four or big five at some point, just because uh, all the games are, are losable. I thought though that Broken Arrow would have one win by now. I didn't expect them to beat Union, but I thought that either the Owasso game or Bentonville game would have gone their way. Mm -hmm. And uh, Obviously, neither did. The Owasso game came down to one play, two-point conversion at the end, which Owasso came up with the stop. Mm -hmm. So, again, we talk about the very fine line in football between uh, being on your way to everything's looking good and everything not. <laughs> That's broken arrow. That's TU football in the opposite direction uh, after escaping with that win the other night. Uh, but, you know, in TU, if – if Northern Illinois 
converts that fourth down play at midfield with two minutes to go, which it was a very catchable ball, then TU's 0-2, and things are looking um, not very – things are looking sort of bleak there. Instead, it's TU's 1-1, one and, one and everyone's optimistic going into this week's game against Jacksonville State. Was there really 22,000 there, Barry, as they announced? At TU? Ah, uh, I'd say the crowd was as good as it was for the Battle of the Burbs. Okay. In which we put a, uh, at about that total. So I think that I'm not a great crowd counter. It seemed like my crowd counts at, at uh, various venues, especially Chapman Stadium, have been off through the years. Um, and although usually I'm overestimating. So, uh, but I think the crowds were comparable to the Owasso Bixby game and the as the TU Northern Illinois game was. I mean, I think that's a pretty good sign if you can if TU can draw north of twenty thousand for for not a marquee opponent. I thought. I mean, I know they were doing some some tailgating things, some some pregame you know things. That that's I, I, when I saw that figure, I was like, good for them. That's good. Well, then again, that that is also paid, but. Um, they have done an amazing things with the stadium and the area and improving the game atmosphere. As someone who's been going there for over 50 years, I really like the facelift that I saw at the stadium and just the activities they were doing. It, uh, it definitely livened things up. Yeah, good. Good deal. All right. Uh, so a lot of teams are off this week, uh, Barry. Uh, tell us about what you're looking forward to most. Uh, well, you're, you're going to grow, right? I'm going to Grove. Is that, is that is that your top game of the week? It is. Tell right us a little about that. Very interesting game, and uh, we'll. Uh, last year, I, I'm ready for an exciting down to the wire game. I've seen four mm -hmm. games this year, and they've all been blowouts. Well, at least in the regular season, the preseason I saw an overtime game, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've seen four blowouts. Wagner Grove definitely has the potential to go down to the wire. It did last year. It went down to the very final play. And what our retired colleague Mike Brown said was one of the most bizarre finishes of all time. He was there that night. Um, Grove conceded the safety on the final play. And that's how they lost the game because they thought that taking a safety would help them in the tiebreaker procedure to win the district title. It, uh, but, uh, they misread the rule book and uh, because they thought they'd be better off losing by two instead of potentially like if they would have lost, given up a touchdown overtime, losing by six. Well, overtime losses in district games, it's one point, no matter what the final score is. So they miscalculated the rule book, but in the, in the end, they wound up winning the district anyway. So uh, as uh, Wagner coach Dale Condit said, uh, about the game. I was talking with him earlier today that no one really got what they wanted from last year's game because okay. Wagner needed to win by more points than it did. And so they didn't get the district title. Grove didn't get keep the undefeated season going and get their first win over Wagner since 2008. So this is sort of like um, a continuation of last year's game because you got a lot of the uh, same players. So it's a very intriguing matchup. As Dale Condit said, there are a lot of storylines this week in this game. Yeah. All right, Barry, we'll leave it there for this week. Uh, we appreciate you joining in. You can download us for free at Google, Apple, or Spotify. 
Uh, we appreciate you checking us out. Barry, appreciate the knowledge as always, and we'll check in uh, next Monday. Sounds good. All right.